You are listening to the Music Mondays with Mazement podcast. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. For more information, go to musicmondayspodcast.com. Happy Halloween. In this episode, you are going to hear the latest music news that appealed to me, that stuck out to me, plus a couple other big announcements, as well as a new segment. And then to close it all off, another release feast. Don't go anywhere. Here it is. An all new episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Music Mondays with Mazement podcast. I am your host, Mazement, 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 Mazement. As usual, we have an action-packed episode for you this month. Next month will actually mark the five-year anniversary since I started this podcast. A lot of things have happened, and even more things are to come. There are some big changes coming to this podcast in 2023, so stay tuned for more on that. Not going to hear about it in this episode. I'm going to keep you on ice. Here's a fact. Music Mondays, music facts. The first CD that was ever sold was Billy Joel's 52nd Street, released in 1982. Music Mondays, music facts. Jerry Lee Lewis died at the age of 87. If you're unfamiliar with who he is, he wrote hit songs like Great Balls of Fire, Whole Lot of Shaking Going On, and more. He became the face of Sun Records after Elvis Presley's contract was sold to RCA. For more info, look him up. He will be missed. As a label owner, I can't even begin to imagine the complication with this next one but BTS will be enlisting in the South Korean military due to the law in in South Korea that as of the age of 30 you have to enlist for at least two years in their military I mean from what I gather their contract's just gonna have to go on pause with the with the record label and they'll have to focus on that it's still a crazy complication I've never even you know thought of with an artist So each member will be going in the military there. So I think as of right now, even they're on like a two year break or maybe even a little bit more than that for them to gather everybody together. And finally, in an interview with, I believe it was Jimmy Fallon, obviously fact check me on this. Millie Bobby Brown hinted that she might have some music coming out with Mariah Carey. She said Mariah Carey was a friend. They've been they worked together in a studio at some point. It's interesting. If you don't know who Millie Bobby Brown is. Watch Stranger Things. That's all you would really need to see with her work. She's amazing. I'm psyched to see what they can come out with. Never thought I'd... I mean, that's a duo you never even think of. I mean, Millie Bobby Brown and Mariah Carey is just crazy. But uh, I'm excited to hear if anything does happen or if it was just smoke. As you can tell, if you're watching this on YouTube, I'm wearing the Early Riser t-shirt from my label, Rise Up Entertainment. You can find these t-shirts at Rise Up. ENT.net slash shop. Get on it. 
There's some holiday sales coming on. Don't miss out. These are only limited edition, by the way, too. These aren't going to come out again, these shirts. They're the first shirt released as a record label. So it's just going to be limited supply. And, you know, other renditions will come out following that. But hit me up with any questions at musicmondays at mazement.co. Also, go check out Sweet Woman by Corey Riemann and the Dilemma Band if you haven't already. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I was thinking of uh, Green Day the other day. I grew up on Green Day. I listened to every Green Day album in the late 90s going into 2000s. That was my top band. I never talk about it. For whatever reason, I never even listened to them within the past decade that much, unless it was like re-listening to some older stuff. It wasn't until like last night I put on a pair of headphones and listened to all their new stuff, and I felt like I got in like a time machine and heard like what Billy Joe Armstrong's voice sounds like with processing on it because I've been out of the loop. I don't know why I stopped listening to them. I don't know. It's weird. It's very strange. Um, I feel like I have to do a couple remixes of Green Day or something like that to make up for it. But either way, it's exciting. It's one band. The only reason I'm bringing this up is I feel like it's one band that I feel is very underrated um, over time. I think everybody in that band, each of the three members, is very talented. And the songs they come out with, like the majority of their songs were pretty much hits. So just had to get that off my chest. Let me know if you agree with me there. Hit me up on uh, any social media at Music Mondays Podcast. You could also hit me up on the website at, at www.musicmondayspodcast.com. As promised, we are getting into a new segment here called Artist on Call Remix. So the difference is you see these artists on calls coming on every month. And I felt like once they come on, we don't really hear from them again. You know, I mean, I hear from them, but you know, listen, if you're listening to this podcast, you never hear from them again. So I felt the best way to give you an update is to have them back on, you know, so each artist on call gets the opportunity to come back. I even want to establish more ways to get them involved in this podcast because they pretty much become a part of the community once they come on here. So this month's first guest for the artist on call remix to return is Halfon. He's artist on call number 20. He's from Boston, if you remember. I can't wait to sit down and talk to him and catch up and see what he's got going on. I know he just released a single. That being said, we're going to close out the episode with a release feast after that. So stay tuned for that. But here it is. The all new Artist on Call remix. Artist 
on call. Remix. Remix. Artist. So this is the first artist on call remix remix ever recorded. So basically, like you guys just heard, this segment is recorded with previous artists on calls that come back to return. And this week we have Hal Fon. What's going on, man? How have you been? I'm good, dude. How are you? I'm freaking awesome, man. This is so Thank great you for seeing you back. Dude, yeah, it's thanks good to for see you too. Thanks for coming back. Like this is like, this is crazy. Like you must be pretty busy with the latest single. Like, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So I actually want to start off with an anecdote before we get into the single because absolutely, as we were getting set up, I had this really cringy memory that came to me about how the last time we ended the call. And I don't know if you remember how that ended. I don't. But I'm somebody who's very anxious about people's names. And we talked for something like two or three hours. And this stuck with me for, oh, now it's a year later that this is still sticking with me. But I was so confident that I was like, yeah, is it Andy or Andrew? And you're like, oh, it's neither. It's actually <laughs> Alex. And I was like, oh, shit. I just talked to this guy for two hours. And I get so anxious about people's names and I went full in on this, being like, yes, this is it. I know it. I don't have to worry about it. And it was just a complete whiff. But we're here two years later, or like a year and a half. So thanks for having me back. I'm like, no, nah, dude, it's Alfonso. <laughs> How are you that far off? Like, How come could on. You miss that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, dude, no problem. Like, that's so freaking funny. Like, half the time, it's hard for me, too, because artists, I only get their stage names. So it's like, I'm yeah. on here. I'm like, oh, shit. How do I address you? But it's like, I know, you know, it goes, it goes both sir, ways. Thanks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, that's. Absolutely, totally fine. <laughs> cool. So, I mean, you know, it, it, yeah, I had to make sure that it was still cool. It was still on my mind. So, I I'm actually really offended. Air. I couldn't, I couldn't wait for you to come back on, so I could be like, "Yo, dude, like, why, why do you do you remember my name now? Like, what's going on? You know, <laughs> this really on. is the hot seat." <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> so, the single just came out. I told my friends about you. This is the first time I've released anything in, I want to say, about a year and a half. So around the same time that we talked, because I think I put out the In Transit EP in June or July of 2021. Which and... is sick. Like anybody who hasn't heard In Transit by Alphon, go listen to it now. H-A-E-L-P-H-O-N. Search it up. But yeah, so Told My Friends About You is actually the new single too. It's not. He's not telling you that he told his friends about me. The song I is told actually... my friends about you. Exactly. About the yeah. time I got your name wrong. <laughs> yeah. exactly. I did tell my yeah. friends about you the time I got your name wrong. <laughs> It's a good story. <laughs> so basically, this is the first time that it, I wouldn't even consider it breaking my silence because I'm still around and doing things. I was in New York and back in Boston okay. and we were finishing the album that I have coming out hopefully in the spring of 2023. So we felt that we needed something that was really, really just fun to start bringing everything back. So I told my friends about you something that was literally started off with a guitar sample and the rest has flowed really, really well into this just fun, energetic track about the complexities of relationships and dating in 2022. And it is, I got to say, quite a vibe. I really enjoy the track. And I've mastered it and mixed it. And so has AJ. And we've listened to it hundreds of times. And I'm not sick of it, which is still, still all this time later, still working with AJ. Still working with AJ. So AJ Paulette is my engineer. We met during the pandemic on Instagram. So while everybody was getting gung-ho about social media, trying to become influencers, met a couple of good people, AJ being one of them. And he and I worked together through our durations in New York. He's in Los Angeles now, still doing the same thing. Just changed the locale. And we went through, did a bunch of singles, did the EP, and then we did 
the album Yuppie, which is coming out again at some point next year. We're just finalizing the details. Dude, that's pretty sick. So like, what was the inspiration behind the single? Like what made you write? Like, what, what does it mean? You know, told my friends about you. <laughs> that's a great question. I told my friends about you really stems from New York, what it's like dating in your mid twenties in the biggest city in the world. I know I come across as a chill person, but I tend to be really anxious about things. And for me, that manifests as anxious attachment a lot, which I think actually occurs with a lot of people. And the more I talk to friends of mine that are my age, the more we kind of realize that we had this shared thing in common for those of us who go through this sort of thing. So what that looks like is, you know, everybody's super connected in the digital age. And there are a lot of themes of what that looks like throughout the track. We will get in. You will hear. I told my friends about you. But before we get into that, let's talk more about what's been going on lately. How have you been since the last time you came on? Like, how have you evolved? I'm sure, I'm sure this song has its like evolution elements that, you know, I heard on the first, you know, uh, album that we talked about last time in transit when I played Cold Carolina on here. How would you, how would you, uh, compare that experience from in transit to this new experience with this new single being a few years apart? There are a lot of similar veins. I think when we were playing around with in transit, stranded Cold Carolina and the other tracks on there too, get a lot more experimental with things. So, Taking that sample in particular, it still brings back that folktronic Avicii type sound, but it always has my twist on it. So there's nobody in particular that I'm here trying to be, but there are a lot of inspirations. So, you know, you're going to have Mac come back into the into the fold and then you know, the Vichys, the Calvin Harris's of the world. The EDM elements are still there, but it gets a little bit more lax. And I yeah. think it tees everything up really well for what's coming in the future, too. This particular single isn't on the album coming up. Someone asked me that. They're like, is this part of it? I'm like, it's actually not. It's just promotional. Mm. But it's sort of... It's meant to bridge the gap between the old stuff, which is actually on the album, and the new stuff coming out. I have a tendency to get ahead of myself. So I'll have an album finished, and then I'm already working on the next one. So I've got to keep myself sort of grounded to be like, all right. There's there's worse problems as an artist. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Well, I mean, you can always have... I get writer's block like crazy, too. Yeah. That's the thing, is it takes months sometimes to get these tracks out. What's special about I Told My Friends About You is once I had the sample and everything laid out, I had most of the track written within like a week or two. So I recorded the whole thing out, and then it was good to go. I sent it out to AJ. AJ Mix mastered it, and we were ready for publication. It was weirdly one of the easier processes because we'll be sitting in the studio trying to get everything out, and I'm just like, I can't get the words to flow, man. I'm like, I don't know. I've said this word. I've said just 40 times. And I already <laughs> used this verb on another song. And it's a very specific verb. So I can't use the word sentimental again <laughs> because I've used the word sentimental like six times. Dude, so, seriously, one of the biggest challenges as a writer is repetition. Because right? yeah. you think that people aren't going to notice it. And they Absolutely. probably don't. But if you use... I'm trying to think of a specific... I can't think of any specific words that come to mind immediately. So I guess it means that I'm obviously overthinking about it when I'm writing. Duh. Yeah. Duh. I use duh, duh. like way Fucking too much. <laughs> it's like, and come on, dude. Yeah. And you use it every freaking time. But also conjunctions too, specifically. Yeah. Like you can say, but, and, and all these things. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, I already did that throughout the song, starting a song with I. Well, the artistic thing, the, the artistic thing about it, yeah, I, it's like, yo, he's yep. so selfish. But like, the, but the, yeah, 
But the thing about it is like the words that you reuse, the the best artists are the ones that reuse them and um, deliver them a different yeah. way. You know, use use the syllables in the word rather than deliver the whole word at once, you know, use it to their advantage. You know, those are the best artists because then like as a listener, you're, you don't even pay attention. You're like, they, he could yeah. said that in a hundred songs, but he did a hundred different ways in every song. So you never know, you know, yeah. so that, that's another strategy around it. But yeah, absolutely. Like it's when it gets redundant, it's, it's not that great. Yeah. No, <laughs> I think about that too. It's the yeah. phrase, my mind in whichever way or form will sneak its way. It's one of my go-to scratch vocals too. It'll be something, something, something in my mind, something like that house, yeah. whatever. And those will always seep their way into tracks when I'm doing the scratch vocals first. Yeah. And then from there, I'm like, okay, well, I use this, 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 and this. So it's taking a little bit of time. But well, and the other thing too is like when you write, like, uh, like, I guess you could say too basic or yeah. too simple, you know, and you're using like or too complex. Or yeah, that could be too. But like the biggest thing is like the basic and the simple ones. Like what I find myself doing oftentimes, especially with writer's block as writing the most simple way possible, the most basic yeah. way possible. Like the door opened into a dark room, something yeah. like that. You know what I mean? But in reality, you could say that sentence a million different ways and you should as a songwriter. You know, you mm -hmm. should paint the picture rather than just hand it to them. You know yeah. what I mean? Like make them make them see like and envision what you see. And then if you do that and you break that one line down, you can break that line down a hundred different times. You know, a hundred mm -hmm. that there's a verse, there's a chorus, there's something. You just did it with one line. You know, yeah. so it's like that's the biggest thing. And I feel like a lot of artists don't do that, well, especially nowadays, depending on the genres, but like <laughs> a lot of artists' the lyrics don't really matter. But like in that case, that's a tool, you know, and like mm -hmm. with writer's block, it's impossible to do that, but at least like that's something that we can do. Absolutely. And so that actually caught, that takes me back to this song because I mean, some of the lyrics here aren't really groundbreaking. I'm going to be like, yeah, it's the best lyrics in the world, man. I'm such a lyricist. There are times where I can go off and have something be absolutely crazy and mind blowing. And I was like, holy shit, I just wrote that. But right. I think of specific moods and intonations and things like that. And in the second verse, yeah, I had to count it out in my head. And the second <laughs> verse is a line and it goes meeting at the bar meeting at a bar is a meet cute I can vibe with and the intonation and everything about that line was just really really good and that's one of the things I like about this and the more that I experiment with these types of songs is it's learning about how to intonate properly and how to add backing vocals and ear candy and all these things that really accentuate what you're trying to say even if it's not the most complicated thing in the world because the chorus is literally you could be the love of my life I guess we'll never know right it's not like it just fucking wrote shakespeare out of thin air you know right but, but it's catchy and like yeah. the way like as soon as you just said that it reminded me of the whole melody and everything because of course like rarely on this podcast do i listen to the songs ahead of time but <laughs> in the artist on call remix i'm gonna listen to every song because i'm ecstatic about every one i bring on but nice. like dude it sounded it's catchy and it has licensing potential too as most of your stuff does evidently you have the experience mm -hmm. on licensing but like this totally does production wise and lyrically, you know, you could, you could sell just the stems of the instrumental. Even it's like, it's yep. like every aspect of this song has the potential to do it. Now, is that an Avenue you plan on taking this one or do you plan on, do you have a special Avenue you want to take this one distribution wise so, for this track in particular, we've released it the same way, but we have delivered it to our partners. The plan is to get it on television, get it in brand spots where we can, which is really important just to lift artists streams revenue stuff like that we know it's super important obviously it's extra cash in the bank stuff that you can use to reinvest with the marketing 
And with this particular song, we've taken more time to really put an emphasis on the marketing. In the past, what we've done is just kind of thrown stuff at the wall to see what sticks. So we'll drop a song. You know how it goes too, where artists will put out music and just be like, all right, here's a photo of me and here's the album. (laughs) And then here's my dog. And you're like, great. Yeah. We decided that we wanted to really put an effort into giving people content, especially because I hadn't released anything in so long because Mm -hmm. people have been super supportive. They're always ready to tune in. And we wanted to take that and do more things with it. So there's a fully animated lyric video that's coming out November 4th. So where is this video releasing? This is going to be on YouTube. It'll make its way to Instagram too. But the name of the game for us is making sure that people have more that they can immerse themselves in the song with. And the artist did a fantastic job with the graphics. It really sets the tone. It's just got a great little storyline going on with it. And that's what we're really excited about. That's amazing. No, that sounds awesome. And like what throughout the past few years, you know, when you're kind of, you know, uh, basically probably jotting a bunch of notes down in your head and stuff for this album and everything. Have you been listening to anything that you wouldn't normally listen to that you feel like inspired anything new or has it been kind of the same type of stuff? I was hoping you were going to ask me this. Oh, nice. So... As you know, I'm a big fan of Mac Miller. Very formative artist for me. No way. Especially in really? recent. Yeah, I know, right? The the Mac tat didn't give it off or the giant yeah. Mac portion. Yeah, I was going to say, me. if you're watching this on YouTube or anything right now, Mac is sitting right behind him. So. There, yeah. there are two Mac indications alone. <laughs> That's so sick. In one second. That's like standing yeah. in all three states at once. Dude, but respectfully so. I mean, he Absolutely. Just deserves it. Yeah. Yes. And... You know, we also know that my roots were in EDM too. So again, that yeah. calls back to Avicii. I don't know why I take inspiration from deceased artists, but maybe because they were late and great. Dude, I'm with you. Yeah. This year in particular, I don't remember if we had talked about this previously, but Chelsea Cutler has always been a big inspiration of mine. She does kind of like electronic pop. Listen to her for probably three or four years. I love her music. It just really speaks to me. What she's gone through is something that resonates with me too, between relationships and just mental health and all this stuff. And then coming up on this year, two new artists, they're not new artists, but two new artists to me, Tyler, the creator. Mm. And I I guarantee you, I, I want you to take, if I tell you, let me set it up. I want to see if you can guess it. Female artist, dark and moody kind of sad music but it's popish. is it her it's not dark oh wait female pop oh billy eilish close so phoebe bridgers phoebe bridgers okay yeah yeah absolutely yeah. i've talked about like her. yeah it was the third answer yeah, yeah yeah dude i talked about her on this podcast a few times i fucking love her music i just saw a bunch of friends of mine she <laughs> she is not an under she's not an unknown artist obviously especially now yeah, especially now. And yeah. Twitter had kind of turned things into into memes, not about Phoebe Bridgers in particular, but you know the people that listen to Phoebe Bridgers. And they right. were all jokes and shit like that, but some of it kind of resonated with me. So mm. I decided to listen to Phoebe Bridgers, and I was like, this is absolutely something that I love. So my music tastes, as we know, are not like they're, they're super exotic, but I like to have a range of things. So I go from Tyler to Phoebe. That's a pretty in, good. That's a pretty good yeah. range. <laughs> and it'll, we'll talking about in like in like song to song in a ten minute capacity. Um, throwing a lot of classic rock these days too. I yeah. think it's you know my parents raised me on that stuff, but I didn't like it then. I think more so it being prevalent in the Marvel movies has yeah. definitely 
put me on to catch your stuff and then expand it back into what I listened to as a kid and things that I've just found through, you know, the algorithm, stuff like that. There was a song in the Queen's Gambit called Venus okay. uh, by Shocking Blue. And that song is a great song that hmm. I hadn't heard until then. Then I went and got a tattoo, I think like a couple weeks later. And I heard another song by Shocking Blue, but I don't remember what the title was, but hmm. it was great and i was like oh i'm suddenly a shocking blue fan and then i hadn't heard of them until this year and they've been around since you know the the 70s so there's a lot feeding in right now but i think it's good to you also have super diverse music tastes too so it's good to have your sort of horizons be expanded because you don't know what's going to pull in from where well i feel like as musicians too that's kind of why we blend so much you know especially you and i like because it's like uh I was in the EDM late. I got into some of the nineties rock a little late, you yep. know, I grew up on it and it was still like, like I respected the Foo Fighters back in the nineties and early two thousands, you know, I was like, Oh, there's Dave Grohl or whatever, but I really didn't get into them and give them the credit they deserve until later on, you know, until like in the past decade or so, you know, which sucks because I didn't get to experience every exciting thing before, mm-hmm. you know, Taylor passed obviously, but like <laughs> it was like, seeing Dave Grohl and Sound City and stuff like that, you get to kind of ex- have these different experiences with the artists that make you respect them a lot more, you know? And like, um, another good example, like you mentioned Tyler creator's album, like dude, that album as in, as in, as a hip hop album, it's diverse in itself just because it's so, um, innovative, you know, the, like it just so many things he did production wise and writing on that album. I mean, I think like I always say it on this podcast, like J. Cole, Kendrick, like they're the mm-hmm. tops in my book, but Tyler's up there because he's dude, the stuff he does is like out of this world. Childish Gambino is another yep. one, you know, it's the like, creativity that yeah. people are showing is nuts. And I Absolutely. think the more that folks start just pulling in elements from everywhere, I would love to know what it's like to be inside Tyler's brain because dude, I wouldn't, I wouldn't crazy. like, <laughs> yeah. Cause then Just he's for like a couple hours. Well, I'm then you see him on commit to it. Right? <laughs> well, then you see him on like jackass and you're like, what the yeah. hell is he doing on here? It's like, what the hell? But yeah. like, he says such creepy shit sometimes. It's like, I don't yeah. know if I want to be in that. <laughs> His voice too is, is perfect. He knows yeah. how to, do you ever see the one where he's making waffles on YouTube? No. That's a brilliant clip. I got to see that. This. It's I got to see that. Hilarious. I don't That's remember who he's with, but he's doing his version of the waffles. Just Eggo waffles <laughs> with some cinnamon and butter. And it's just all around such a good... But it's that's around what, entertaining. Tyler the Entertainer. Fuck. <laughs> well, it's, it's kind of like... Like that's what artists have to do though. They have to be different. They have to do things that are different that that are different from other artists, you know, and like a lot of the genres nowadays aren't doing that. They're just mirroring yep. uh so and so that was famous five years ago because she did or yep. he did this. You know, it's like they it's it's stupid. And the major labels are still doing it. They're the culprits, you know, because yep. they're they're like, Oh, well, we made, you know, Celine Dion famous, so we'll make you famous the same way. You know, we made this part. It's like, great, yes, use that knowledge, but adapt to like the new industry yep. adapt it like make sure they're doing something different today and not you know so blatantly obvious that you're trying to make her mariah carey or him you know elton john or anything not that anybody mm-hmm. could ever be elton john again but like you know what i mean <laughs> like it's like they it, it's i hate that whole like artificial you know yep. approach and what it is is because labels don't want to focus too much on the creative side the artists do but the labels don't. The labels want to focus on the money side. So whatever they have to do to create that money again, 
they're just going to follow suit and be like, okay, well, we made that first and famous, made that much money, so we're going to do the same thing. And it never works out the same. But, like, that's absolutely, like, on point. Like, you mentioned Phoebe Bridgers, Tyler Creator. Like, they're perfect examples of those types of artists. Like, the reason why they're getting so much attention now and the reason why they are as famous as they are is because they found their point, their niche in the industry, and they stuck with it. They didn't give yeah. up on anything. You know, they stuck with it. And that's, dude, it's amendable, and a lot of people don't get enough credit. Absolutely. And I think we're seeing that too with artists. I was just put on to Noah Khan the other day. Okay. I've heard Khan in particular, he's in a similar grouping, you know, where Chelsea Cutler and Jeremy Zucker, Quinn 92, these very cult following is the wrong word, but they have very diehard fan bases because they have a sound that is very unique to them and works really well. Okay. And it's driving stuff to insanity the numbers are awesome and it's something that i think a lot of artists should take inspiration from that's what i strive for is hammering that sound and keeping the experimentation going on and making sure that whatever i deliver is on par that you know it's me still but it pushes the bar a little bit to make sure that we're playing around with things but not getting too far out of the realm and hitting them with you know orchestral pop or something like that could be interesting yeah five dude seriously (laughs) that would be sick yeah the only thing that would be hard on that is the performance front it's like god damn how we're gonna make that happen i know right that's when you gotta do (laughs) you gotta pull a kygo and you gotta have the entire orchestra with you boston pops is there with the piano it's actually a very fantastic show dude kygo is a great example too i love that freaking insane Mm -hmm. but yo so let's get into it we're gonna listen to I told my friend about you. I told a friend about you. My friend. I told my I was, friends. I told my friend. Okay. All of here them. We go. Here we go. <laughs> I told my one friend. <laughs> so we're going to get into it right here. We're going to listen to I told my friends about you by Hal Fon. And then we're going to get right back into it right here on this artist on call remix segment. Here it is. I told my friends about you. <laughs> Optimistic, call me superstitious, but how to stay in like a plan that would have missed this. Sitting by the phone, every hour passing. You could be the love of my life, maybe you never know. Take some other folks, push your name as far below. You could be the love of my life, maybe it ain't so. Yeah, I should pace myself so I don't scare you. Yeah. I've told my friends about you, they're all excited As for me, I'm delighted, we see Michael's rhyming Meeting at a bar, it's me, cute, I can vibe with yeah. Sitting by the phone, every hour passing You could be the love of my life, I guess you'll never know Take some other folks, push your game as far below You could be the love of my life, I guess it ain't so Yeah, you could be the love of my life, I guess you never know. 
That was I Told My Friends About You by Halfon. That's H-A-E-L-P-H-O-N. You can find that on all the major digital streaming platforms. Dude, song's dope. Love that. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Dude, I like how, like, even though you were sticking to, like, a format, you still fit, like, descriptive little uh, lines in there, like, uh, picked up the phone, like stuff like that. Like you're actually drawing an image, but you're doing it really quick and then getting back on point to what the song is about. Like, it's like pretty cool. Like you're just kind of fitting it in there and, uh, dude, totally get it. And then like the bridge, obviously freaking out and freaking out, mm. like totally realistic, totally relatable, you know, absolutely. A quick note about the track in particular too, is the structure of it. The verses look at everything from a very optimistic lens. And then as you get to the choruses, it kind of falls apart. So, mm there's the text message tone that comes in at the end of the first chorus and at the end of the song, and it basically resets the cycle. So it's to perpetuate that sense of anxiety to be like, okay, everything's great. And then you overthink things and it kind of falls apart and then it picks back up because things are good and you got a sign and then it falls apart again. And then you have that giant, it's sort of like the penultimate moment where the bridge comes in and everything's huge and it's yeah. crazy. Yep. And then it breaks down a little bit and then you get the yep. text message again. You're like, oh shit, never mind. It's all good. I was freaking out. Dude, that's so cool because it's like an experience. It's not, it's yeah. not, it's not about listening. It's about feeling it too, you know, and like kind of being there. Cause like I said, you're, you're saying these different little things that are making you in a vision something too. Like, like, like it's, it's so funny because like just picking up the phone, I could picture my, like you, yeah. you see it, you know, you see it totally happening. Like in a way, like songs like this don't always need a music video because yeah. they're doing such a good job painting the, you know, with descriptive words. I definitely would love to see a music video on this, though. That'd be sick. Oh, but like another another thing I like too is uh hearing different songs by you so far, too. I'm like, like the performances must be off the wall. You know, because like I'm like, dude, it's exciting, especially like obviously this song's like mid-tier, like has some excitement to it, but like you will make the performances more fun. Like I could already tell, you know, just by your energy. So that's like what what has your experience been like with that, like performing your songs? My experiences with performing have been somewhat limited, but it's something that I've tried to ramp up over the course of the years, especially because it's just a lot of fun. I think a lot of people get stage fright about things, and I do too, but the more I do it, the less it happens. Yeah, it eventually becomes something that's just a blast, and I really enjoy it. So I released a track, Make Up Your Mind, years ago. This is probably 2019, and it was the first sort of bigger thing that I had done in terms of a song most of the people at the show knew the track so I got them mm. to sing the chorus along with me and it was just this killer moment in December we I think I sold out the venue and everybody was singing the song along so I could stop singing hold my mic out everybody's everybody knows the lyrics so That's we're all just so going sick. for it it's a great time so one of the things that I'm excited about this song in particular is even if 
you know, a portion of the people know it. You can also always get a call and response for it because people pick it up like really easily. Right. And I'm excited for it. Trying to bring more live elements into things, which is where the sampling, stuff like that, the guitars, et cetera, come in. Yeah. So the goal is eventually to have a band behind it. But yeah. for now, it's still a good time because I think we're all just able to hang out and have a good time, listen to the music. And that's what it sounds cheesy, but it's really about just hanging out with people and just going for it. Dude, as long as it's it's about fun, you know, and like like I tell every artist that I, you know, talk to, it's like the day it becomes work and then it's not fun anymore, you're not doing it right, or yeah. you shouldn't be doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's it's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be something you enjoy, especially if you're like born to it, you know, born to do it, you know, uh you have the talent or whatever, like you stick to it and you see it through. And that's without question. Any 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 artist knows that. But the other thing too with performing like where you were for a while, like in New York. It's cutthroat there. Like it is. They want you to bring head counts every show. They want you to bring like it's insane the demand. Now, don't get me wrong, like a lot of popular artists roll through New York. They do well. It's fine. Bowery Electric, good venue, you know, like these smaller ones. But like it's just it's really tough to draw one, draw a crowd that's not your friends in the city, you know, without mar- the freaking boatloads of money into marketing. Yeah. And to actually uh, hold up the venue like that with, you know, their restrictions and everything. So in that, that, that uh, time, I could see it being very difficult. Cause I honestly, like there was a while where I was like, Oh, I want to perform in New York. And I did a few shows in New York. I yep. like the reality revised uh, run. I did one there too. And that, but like, um, but my main thing is like, I want to like these, these smaller areas, you know, you go up, uh, like, obviously I'm two hours North of the city. So even if you hit like Danbury, which is like an hour away from the city, yep. like small city, but it's like it's college there's a college there. Like there's like, there's a, a new Haven, you know, another area. Those are all like Good pizza too. Yeah. See, Play it's a like, song, grab a slice. Dude, seriously cross the bridge over into Jersey. It's like, you got, you got small towns over there too, that have these venues that like, need to need to be uh cherished you know and like by doing that you're gonna pick up crowds from those places because they're not they don't have such cutthroat rules that new york city does yes you know like even westchester which isn't like a train ride out of new york you know like hit that up like that's the thing is like the hardest part though is like i remember that bubble being in new york city it's like how do i perform here it's impossible dude it's really interesting too because i found out from a friend of mine who's another performer, she's an artist in New York, that venues were restricting people's ability to perform if they had multiple shows in the city in the course of a month. So if you had already played another one, you couldn't play at theirs. Yeah. Which I get to a certain extent because, you know, if you have a small fan base, you're only going to be able to draw out a certain percentage of that fan base each time. They already went to your show in November 1st. The odds of them going to your show on November 18th are a little bit limited. But... You did mention Bowery Electric, and I will say I did play Bowery Electric. How'd you I like that? Loved that venue, yeah, so much. It was, it was fantastic. I'm grateful for the opportunities that I've had to perform in New York so far. I'm yeah. looking forward to doing more of that when I get back down there. Bowery Electric was the right vibe, the engineering fantastic. We had a green room, which is a private bathroom, which yeah. is great, especially for me. It was, <laughs> Dude, it was fantastic. <laughs> I just loved having the space and hanging out with the other bands. We're yeah. all shooting the shit, getting ready for each other's sets. And then I went out. This is also in December when I played the show in Boston too. But I went out before my set started and a group called Kazakh Gardens, who I played a couple of shows with, 
They were out there doing their thing. They're electronic. They're kind of like that orchestral pop, weirdly enough. They oh, they wow. do all sorts of experimental shit. And I was watching from this little perch in the stairs up by the door to the green room and was just vibing out. I was super nervous and listening to their music got me really, really excited for my set. And then I went up on there, played the hell out of it. And I look forward to the next time I play that venue. Another venue to shout out to is Jungle in Somerville, Massachusetts, which is one of the smaller yes. ones that you talked about. The Jungle has hosted me multiple times. The staff there is super courteous. They have open mic nights, arts, all sorts of good things, which I just really, really make it a lot easier to get out there and start performing. I honestly am so excited for the day that I do a world tour the year that I do a world tour because I love the performing aspect of it the most by far. Dude, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. I remember it really like, is. Yeah. Cause I like, I traveled to Vegas and back performing. That's uh, awesome. Yeah. Small, small shows. I mean, it's still Vegas, baby. But yeah. Exactly. Well, the funny thing is we got there on St. Patty's day oh, and what? I was supposed to, I forget the place I was supposed to perform at cause it, it was a while ago. And I think it hated you for it. Yeah. Well, I thought it was a, uh, I think it's an open mic. I forget. But anyways, I was going there and um, we ended up not because no, it wasn't open mic because I had a schedule and we ended up turning it down because it was St. Patrick's Day and we yep. were in Vegas. But uh, never any heart. Like it was weird. They filled the slot like nothing was fine. But like it was just so funny. Like um, the one time I could have said I played in Vegas. I didn't because yeah. I'd rather go party. You can and say that's you the, went to Vegas to play. Because yeah, exactly. that's still true. You did exactly. go to Vegas to play. Did you play in Vegas? No, but you right. can still say that you did. That's right. Uh, <laughs> the best was booking those. They're like, yo, wait, Alice Cooper? What? Like, yeah. And I'm you like, know yeah. my actual name was Alexander. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, make sure you like, I didn't play it. I, I'm not trying to play. Like, no, yeah, guys, like, no, Alice wrong. Cooper is actually playing this open mic, and they're just going to, yeah. that's a good way to sell out a venue, man. You yeah, get 200 right. people on an open mic night, and they're like, oh, Alice. <laughs> Seriously. So, what have you noticed being like the difference, like performing in Boston and performing in New York? Like, what do you prefer? Like, obviously, Bowery Electric is one venue out of many in New York. It is but, electric. But yeah, exactly. Like, New York does have a different vibe than Boston. What what would you say you liked about each different vibe performing? It's interesting to compare the two cities. We've talked about the two cities before and absolutely their views on the arts. Boston does have a small but relatively thriving art scene. The opportunity that comes with New York is incredibly strong. There are open mic nights all over the city. There are music venues in every neighborhood. The accessibility of stuff is awesome. Sometimes it can be a little bit nerve wracking too, because with that also comes a lot of exposure that you aren't expecting, which is very good for the Mm -hmm. record. But there's, it's sort of like a double edged sword playing for people you don't know because you're a worried about people judging you, but b putting yourself out into an audience, which you may not have been able to get before being from Boston. A lot of the shows that I fill are people that I know. So you have that opportunity to play a really good show because you know, everybody and it makes it a little bit easier, but I also had friends coming through for my shows in New York. So I do wish Boston had more opportunity and more small to mid cap venues. We're kind of seeing things pop out now too. Which is exciting because, you know, as urban renewal comes in, stuff kind of just shifts and people open up music venues in different places. That's a new inspirational sort of uh, that's a new vision that I have at some point is 
open one on the North Shore of Massachusetts, maybe in Salem, oh. Mass. Some Dude, point sick. down the line, just do a music yeah. venue because there's not one there and they really should have one. It could be called uh, Hook, Hooked on Halphonics. Halphonics, <laughs> <laughs> the venue. Halphonics, <laughs> the frozen microwavable meal you make a whole line out of it too the branding (laughs) but yeah i think the big thing (laughs) the big thing is the big thing is the openness to these performers where i think that boston has a potential but i still don't think it's there so maybe we're the generation the crowd that finally pushes it to where it needs to be and i think it will get there new york having it accessible and at your fingertips is is great and definitely something that is it should not be taken granted for well it's accessible it's accessible at your fingertips but it's not always it's not always affordable yeah that's also true there's a lot of pay to play out there you have to be careful of yeah there's a great company called gig finesse which Mm -hmm. i booked all my shows through they have a great deal with the artists you're not paying for the venue in advance it's through combined ticket sales and it's a really, really good way to get your shows rolling because they know how to fill a bill insanely well. Every time I played a yeah. concert through Gig Finesse, they're in a bunch of cities too. I don't remember where else they're at, but I'm super grateful for them. Every time they've ever packed a show, the artists, the performers, the bands have been absolutely killer. Hmm. None of them have ever missed. And I love wow. that. So, so whatever algorithm they're using is working out perfectly. They're doing something right. That's sick. That's they also awesome. follow up really well and just really treat the artists like people. Great folks. Oh, that's definitely the type of companies I want to work with. Put it yeah. that way. Yeah, absolutely. So definitely check out Gig Finesse. Now, tell me a little bit about like what we have going forward with um, I told my friends about you. Like what what's next on the what's next on the agenda after this release? There's a big waterfall of content. So that lyric video is coming out, animated lyric video. Next Friday. Next Friday, November 4th. So now if and you're then, listening to this on the day this episode comes out, it's this Friday. Yes, but uh, but yeah, true. absolutely. Friday, November 4th. I'll also be doing a written interview with Buzz Music about some of the topics that we talked about and just the inspiration behind the song. And then from there, we're getting into the album announcement. A lot of Man. video content, show footage from last year, the making of. There's so much stuff on the horizon. There's new merch coming. We really wanted to invest in giving people a better experience and to just say to just say thanks for sticking along with everything, riding it out with us as we get everything ready. The music coming out is really, really fun. I think it shows the growth and it talks a lot about a lot of common themes that we all have, just battling through your life, trying to make sense of everything. And we try to support that with stuff we think people are going to like. Dude, absolutely. I love it. And I can't wait to hear the new album, anything about it. I'm definitely going to come out to Boston uh, one of these days and kick it. We definitely got to have drinks. We were supposed to back oh, in yeah. New York and it never happened. But uh, I left. Well, that, <laughs> that's my then, fault. That and then COVID took its rampage. So yeah. that was like, I stayed out of there for a while. But um, yeah, absolutely, dude. Like, keep in touch. Like, uh, you know, you're definitely part of the Rise Up family. So this is this is a big thing. Uh, Check Halfon out everywhere that you can. This dude's going to blow up. About to listen to. I told my friends about you now on every major digital streaming platform. Also check out his last album, In Transit. So dope. He was also artist on call number 20. So go check out that episode as well. So thanks again for coming on, man. And I can't wait to talk to you again soon. 
Thank you so much for having me. Just to clarify, was it Andy or Andrew? As promised, we are going to close out today's episode with an all-new release feast. In this release feast, I'm going totally unpredictable here. You think I'm going to come out and say all these hip-hop albums or you know EDM or whatever. We're changing it up. We're going totally unpredictable this month. Release feast. Predictable if you're a music fan in general, though, because Taylor Swift released Midnight's. It's the 10th studio album by Taylor Swift, released on October 21st under Republic Records. This song is hitting records. I mean, there's rumors going around. It might even be established by this point, by the point you hear this podcast, but like she has the top 10 songs on the billboard right now like are all on this album or from this album there's two versions of the album so be sure to check both out but this is insane i mean just within a few days she had the equivalent of 10 million albums sold or 10 million units however you want to measure it according to illuminate so that is based on streams uh single purchases on itunes stuff like that all together equivalent to 10 million albums insane i mean these numbers are crazy Bright side is, it's a very talented artist. She deserves all the success she has right now. If you haven't listened to it yet, get out and listen to it. Midnight's by Taylor Swift. Like I said, there's two versions. And there's definitely some Swifty fans out there that could explain this whole thing better than me. But uh, either way, you got to go check out the albums. The second release I wanted to bring up here, Rihanna released the single Lift Me Up for the Black Panther Wakanda Forever movie. It was released on October 26th. It's the first song she's releasing in five years. So go check it out. Obviously, there's going to be some sort of uh, promotional buildup with her because she is performing the Super Bowl, if you haven't heard that yet. So I'm sure there's an album coming. I think that's already been announced. So check out Lift Me Up to hear the new Rihanna and hear how it sounds, hear what you're going to get a glimpse of at this year's Super Bowl. That pretty much wraps up this October episode. Happy Halloween. Don't go too crazy tonight or this week. I appreciate you listening in. Thank you so much for all the support so far. And until next episode. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.